Hello and welcome to Strong Habits, the feminist fitness podcast about all things training, nutrition and mindset. I'm your host, Penny Vavaridis, and this is episode 67. How are you? I'm okay. Ironically, I've been focusing this week on getting into a better routine, and while that's been mostly going well, this podcast is a couple of days late. Pros and cons, I guess. Pros and cons. Today is a client Q&A day, so strap yourselves in for some knowledge bombs. Before I get to the first question, I just wanted to say that if you do enjoy the podcast and you would like to support me, a rating on Apple Podcasts is a free way for you to do so. Go over there, five stars, tell them why you love me, you know, the usual. You can also find me on Instagram at superpenny if you'd like to send me a message. Now, kicking off easy with our first question, Faye asked how to drink more water instead of coffee. The first thing I always recommend with this one is to just always have a glass of water first. So making your morning coffee, have your glass of water first. Making your next coffee, have another glass of water. There isn't anything inherently wrong with drinking coffee. I mean, gosh, it is the best legal booster on the market that you can just buy in Tesco. And there's water in coffee, so some of that still counts towards your daily water but you do want to also be getting less caffeinated water in there too you know so if you're someone who just doesn't really like drinking water sugar-free squash is a godsend you can make your water taste like whatever you want add some soda water to make it feel like a fancy soda pop I am a big fan of apple squash with a touch of sugar-free lemonade it's like having an appetizer but calorie free win another tip for getting more water in is to just always have water around if you always have a glass of water in front of you on your desk you'll drink more water just because it's there and even if you don't you don't drink it all of the time you'll probably still be drinking more than you would if you couldn't see it and every time your glass is empty i want you to go and fill it back up You'll end up drinking more all day and probably also peeing more all day in this. This, my friends, comes with the added bonus of giving you two reasons to get out of your chair and move throughout the day. Getting up to fill your water, getting up to let go of your water. Now, sitting for eight hours a day isn't great. So if you've got a reason to get up and move, that's going to be a wonderful thing. And if you are getting any back, neck, hip or shoulder pain, Getting up and moving around is generally the best remedy. It's not just a case of us getting old. Like, yes, getting old does lead to more things hurting, but how much of that is just because as we get old, we also move less? I think quite a big bit, to be honest. Now, Faye also asked about tips for better posture. I've touched on this before and those of you who've been around a while will hopefully all know by now that there's no such thing as perfect posture or even better posture. Posture just refers to the positions our body can be in. Ideally we can move freely in and out of every position. Trouble arises when we spend so much time in one position that we become unable to access others. Regular daily mobility is the remedy for this. And also, just going for a walk every day. Get out of your chair and move around. Evidence suggests getting up every 30 to 60 minutes for for small movement snacks 
gosh, that was difficult to say. Let me try again. Evidence suggests getting up every 30 to 60 minutes for small movement snacks will help reduce and or eliminate all the chronic health risks that come from sitting at a desk all day, not moving. That doesn't mean every 30 minutes you need to get up and go go do a workout. That would be a bit much and you'd probably never get any work done. But what it does mean is to get out of your chair and move your body. Pick a joint, take it through its full range of motion and then carry on with your work. If you're unsure what that looks like, take a look at the ankle articulation video in the True Coach app or really any of the mobility videos I've been sharing with you guys. Just take a joint through its range. Then you pick another joint, repeat. This morning I posted a video of me moving my spine and shoulders first thing on my IGTV. It mostly just looks like two minutes of me dancing around. You see, it doesn't have to be complicated. In summary, slouching at your desk isn't bad by default. Just make sure to move out of that position and into others periodically. And if you have the opportunity to get a proper desk chair and a desk set up, that's an added bonus. I have been moving around my house, working in different places. I'm currently sitting on the floor with a hot water bottle. This morning I was on the dining table. Sometimes I'm upstairs in my office, but there's no radiator in that room and it's too cold at the moment. And sometimes I'm on the sofa. During lockdown one, there were days I'd take my laptop to the garden and work from there. But again, it's it's too cold and it's also always, always raining. Give yourself a reason to move around. This is so important. My watch actually tells me to move if I've been still for too long. I try to listen to it at least some of the time. I've also set two of my own daily reminders on my phone to do the same thing, mid-morning and mid-afternoon. I know that if I start writing or editing, I could easily be there for hours. So having that external thing pop up with a command is quite helpful. Sarah W asked if there was any evidence that women with PCOS should avoid dairy. So there are studies investigating this link between PCOS and dairy, but not many. Of the ones I could find, here's what they say. So one was a cross-sectional study of 400 Iranian women with PCOS. Cross-sectional studies are a type of observational study analysing data from a population or representative subset. So essentially they looked at data from 400 Iranian women who have PCOS and this data was self-reported. Researchers found a higher consumption of low and fat-free milk amongst these women. In another study of just 24 women this time, researchers found that a low starch and or low dairy diet resulted in weight loss, improved insulin sensitivity and reduced testosterone in women with PCOS. I would like to point out that this diet was very low in calories. It also eliminated all starches and included just one ounce of cheese a day. I repeat, very low calories. In a randomised control trial, researchers found that DASH eating patterns resulted in improvements in insulin resistance, abdominal fat levels and a number of other markers. The DASH diet is one that is full of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, low-fat dairy products and low in saturated fats, cholesterol, refined grains and sweets. It's kind of similar to the Mediterranean diet-ish, 
Now in both diets, they recommend to keep red meat consumption to less than once or twice a week, plus two or more servings of oily fish a week and a small amount of nuts each day and the use of olive oil when preparing food. These are generally, generally, the health recommendations that come with most things. If you listen to the episode that I did with Alan Flanagan on episode 63, he essentially says that the healthiest diet would be a pescatarian one, for the most part. Essentially, this would suggest that women with PCOS can in fact eat a moderate amount of dairy and still see improvements, and they also need to keep their calories down. A moderate amount of dairy looks like one or two servings a day. So maybe a bit of cheese and a cup of yogurt. There is also evidence to suggest that accompanying this with a low GI diet would be also quite helpful for those with PCOS. Hopefully that's helpful, Sarah. Feel free to drop me a message and we can we can talk more about it if you want. But yeah, you can still have some dairy. You don't need to cut it out. The most important thing is just keeping control of the calories and eating a decent variety of stuff. So, a few of you have asked me about getting back into a routine this week. After the Xmas break and all the darkness, I admit I'm working through the same thing right now. Here are some things that you might find helpful. Number one, be realistic with how much you can actually get done. If you're pretending to yourself that you should be able to do a whole alphabet of tasks, but you actually only get X, Y, and Z done, you'll end up not doing anything at all or getting those X, Y's and Z's done, but generally feeling shit about it not being enough. Number two, make an actual plan. This can be a rough outline of your day and or week. It doesn't need to be set in stone, particularly if your day, your work day isn't set in stone either. Give yourself some room to breathe, but have an anchor or a couple of anchors. Couple of anchors? Sure. So at this time, I'll do this thing, then this thing between these times, and then this other thing. Remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just work out what you can do right now and what you want to focus on and start there. Habits happen by focusing on those tiny 1% improvements each day. You don't go from meditating once in a blue moon to being a Buddha in one foul swoop. So let's assume, for the sake of argument, that you want to get into a regular routine with meditation. What you need to do is start really small. Whatever you're trying to start, you have to start small. You limit your potential growth by jumping too far ahead before you're ready. We do it all the time with new things. We assume that we can do things and we don't even look at the foundations. In the gym, people go straight to the weights without learning how to make shapes. In relationships, people go straight to the other person without first focusing on themselves. Getting into a routine is about not making the plan too hard. It has to be something you can actually do. And you're, you're the only person who knows what that is. So let's go back to our meditation example. Start with one moment a day, maybe. I don't know, you're putting your socks on in the morning. Just pause, focus on your breath, on the socks, on what they feel like in your hands and on your feet. Notice that this is happening now in consciousness and then carry on with your day. 
moment complete. Once you've done this every day for a week, you can add a layer. Perhaps you sit on a cushion for one minute a day and focus on your breath, acknowledging your thoughts and moving on, on the sensations on your skin. When you can do one minute, try two. Sure, okay, this is slow, but really what's the hurry? What are you rushing for? If you keep rushing for five, 10 years, but never actually make any progress, was it really any quicker? Shall I give you a chance to practice now? I'm just gonna be quiet for a minute. I want you to focus on the air coming in and out of your nose. If you feel your, if you feel your attention slip away, just acknowledge it and come back to your breath. This is your minute. Okay, so hopefully you use that time to just take a moment to yourself. If so, well done. That is today's minute completed. Good job. Think about when you'll do it again tomorrow. Commit to it from now. If you make decisions in advance, it's a lot easier. I will do my minute meditation at 7am tomorrow before I have a shower. That's better than I'll do, it. I'll do a minute tomorrow. Can you see why? You need to be specific when it comes to setting new habits. You have to place it in your day. I will do it at 7 a.m. tomorrow before I have a shower, sitting on a cushion in my bedroom. So see there, I've also placed it in space. Give it a go. It, it obviously doesn't have to be meditation. That was just an example. Whatever it is that you're trying to make habit and make part of your routine, Place it in time and space. Okay, so Gemma was asking about training time. She's been doing 20 minutes a day instead of 60 minutes a couple of times a week. I told her that was excellent. Doing something every day is better than doing something bigger but less often. Yes, getting a few big sessions in a week is great, but not really if you're not doing any other moving the rest of the week. And if doing shorter sessions every day is what it takes for you to stay consistent, then that's a wonderful thing. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. And doing whatever you need to be consistent is ideal. I am super proud of all of you this week, team. Now, before I go, today's fun fact, it is about penguins, because penguins are excellent. Did you know that most penguins swim underwater at around four to seven miles an hour? I know, cool, cool, but listen to this. This is incredible. 
the Gen 2 penguin from Antarctica can reach top speeds of, drum roll, terrible drum roll, 22 miles an hour. These are the penguins that give potential mates the best rocks as gifts to woo them. April 25th is actually World Penguin Day each year. Maybe I should have saved that fact for them. It's okay, I'm sure there'll be more penguin facts for you. Anyway, until next time, folks.